When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show Boston Bruins fans, we are back. This is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allred. This is 278. That's the episode number. I am here with my boy, Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, what's up, man? Not too much, man. Freaking, ah, pumped. Let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> what a day. What a weekend. Uh, good to be home. Some home cooking is always a good thing when it comes to the Boston Bruins. Um uh, shout out to the moms out there. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all you fine ladies out there that do a tremendous job. Uh, shout out to my mom, Kathy. I know she's not watching, but still got to give her a shout out. Regardless, uh, want to shout out mom at all? Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Miss uh, Miss Mom. Her name is Mom to me. <laughs> well, you guys can call her Cheryl. So nice. shout out Cheryl. Awesome. Happy Mother's Day. I brought her out to breakfast this morning, so that was good. Very cool, man. That's awesome. No, let's hear from show sponsor betonline.ag before we move any further. Our partners at betonline.ag continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. 
Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. And don't forget this weekend, as the run for the Roses is on at the Kentucky Derby. BetOnline.ag is a continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the BetOnline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, we just heard myself babble about betonline.ag. Fantastic place to go to place a wager. I, I did a ton of wages yesterday, uh, Kevin, on the Kentucky Derby. Lost four hondos because of that. That horse that was supposed to come in last came in first. Absolutely blew everybody away and all the predictions that I that I basically bet on. You know, just reading a lot of, doing a lot of research and so on on the horse racing and uh, I was going with a, a couple few horses, and this one just came out of nowhere and freaking blew my four hondos away. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Someone definitely made a lot of money. If somebody, yeah, because it was 88 to 1 odds. Like, if you put $10 on that freaking horse, man, you came out really, really good. Yeah. So it's absolutely crazy. But anyway, use the code CLNS50 if you do happen to go on betonline.ag and do some gambling. But do it responsible, please. We sure, totally appreciate that. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. All right. Um, where are we going here? Where, where, where do you want to start? Because this is an unbelievable weekend. Like I said, it's home cooking. We did not do very well on the road in Carolina for the first two games. Outshot 10-3. to 3. Boston Bruins come home to TD Garden and, uh, and out, outscore. I'm sorry, outscore the uh, Carolina Hurricanes at home. 10 to 3. No, ah, I'm 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 sorry. 9 to 9 to 4. Yes. No, no, the first two games at Al on the road. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was gotcha. 10 to 3. So, and then we come home and the Boston Bruins on on home ice, they uh get it done. They score uh nine goals to 3. So, things have have, have definitely turned the tides here uh from the regular season action uh where they went you know, I don't know, three games uh, and, and outscored 16 to one. And then you add those two extra playoff games uh, last week. You know, it, it, it basically, you know, it's outscoring. Carolina is outscoring at 20, 22 to whatever. But things have certainly changed on the home ice. So your thoughts on the offense and how it's how it's responded after going down 0 to 2. Huge response. Um, one of the biggest areas where they've improved is they are getting into the dirty areas in front of the net. And that's where they've gotten a majority of, well, I wouldn't say a majority, but probably half of these goals, the DeBrusque goal, the Bergeron goal. Um, I believe uh, last game there was two goals where they just kind of grinded the puck into the net. And those are gritty playoff goals that you really love to see. It's, it's a working hard, tenacious type of goal. And I, I'm absolutely thrilled with the compete that I've seen out of this team in the past two days. Uh, sorry, uh, two games. It's absolutely incredible to watch. It's night and day. We've talked about that a lot this season, about how this team is uh, night and day. Well, let's hope that they continue to be day, you know, going forward here. Um, let's get another win. Let's get another win. I am 
so amped. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we get a day of rest before um, we head out to uh, Carolina. So tomorrow, Monday night, uh, the Bruins rested up, fly to uh, North Carolina, play that game. And obviously the first two games on the road weren't great. Um, but I, I kind of believe that these next two I mean, these two games that they did play at home were just a, a rejuvenator. Let's get back into the series. But it also sets a, a point that we can do this shorthanded. And right now, and before this game, Charlie McAvoy uh, was listed out uh, due to COVID protocols. Uh, uh, Hampus Lindholm was injured with an upper body. We're assuming it's a slight concussion, maybe not to the extreme. Could play Tuesday night uh, when uh, uh, the 10th in Carolina. So, um, you know, we're getting things done, uh, without some key members, which is important. Next man up mentality has always been talked about in this organization for so many years. And we're definitely seeing it right now. And it, and it, and it's due to desperation. I think guys are noticing we're down 0 and 2. We're not out of the series, but still there's something that has to be done that we have to dig down deeper and figure this out. And they obviously did in these last two games. Now, I'm not going to say that this is going to be a long cup run. I absolutely hope it is, but th- these are just really good signs of what could come in the future. Absolutely. Um, and then when it comes to the injuries, um, well, not really injuries, but injury. Um, yeah. Lindholm has a shot to come back on uh, Tuesday. And if he does, that is a huge boost to this team. Um, and then McAvoy in the, in the protocols for COVID let's hope that it's, you know, just a false alarm here and he doesn't have COVID and he's right back in there on Tuesday. I was really concerned for a moment when it came to uh, Charlie thinking it was uh, an actual injury. And I was kind of like, Oh my God, this sucks. But hearing that it's COVID protocol um, definitely eases that a bit, even though there's still a chance that he could have COVID and still miss some time here. Um, But thankfully it's, it wouldn't be as much as it used to be. Yeah. Pejman. Pejman's in the house. Thank you, Pejman, for joining us. Really appreciate that. In the words of Mark LFG, that's an let's fucking go, everybody. This was just a statement, statement game for us. Great to see Jeremy Swayman jump in there for um Linnaeus Allmark, who seems to I, I really don't think that he's been struggling that much. You know what I mean? But I just think that the Boston Bruins um coaching staff, you know. Uh, Bruce Cassidy at the helm kind of just said, maybe we need something different. Obviously did not want to keep going with Linnaeus Allmart because of maybe some just unlucky times, but change the net, change the crease. And and seems like the defense responded as well. Maybe just them digging down themselves on the back end, uh, reaching for that 110% to keep the pucks out of the net, stop the mental mistakes that have been killing them towards the end of the season. And particularly, uh, the first two games on the road against this Carolina Hurricanes team. But, um, you know, we're just, just seeing real good things moving forward. And, God, I really hope that the next three games I, – I truly believe we're going to seven. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, just the way that these teams have been matched out. And we're seeing two wins uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes at home, two wins for the Boston Bruins at their respected home, and then it's going to go back and forth, back and forth. So – it's 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 zero zero right now. We're just you know we're starting fresh, and um and I just think that the Bruins need to get this game, this victory on Tuesday night the tenth, and to really like put 
put the real the hopes and 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 the thoughts in their heads that they can do this against a very talented offensive uh, Hurricanes team that's going to come at you with layers and really going to pinch you outside. That we've seen that even in these last two games that the Bruins have won, the Bruins are basically a majority of the game getting pinched way out, pushed and forced, whatever you want to call it. But it, it, it's it's the tenacity, it's the hard work, it's the reaching down and grabbing it. And and getting closer to the net for those by uh, that net front presence and and creating more opportunities just to uh, crash the puck and create uh, secondary opportunities for guys that are coming in layers. Blah yeah. blah blah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I I think this is definitely a tough series. Um, it's definitely now shown to be pretty evenly matched at this point. Um, uh, I'll mark. Um, I don't think he played bad at all. I think that you know he was just on the losing side of puck luck for the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, for the most part, Bruins weren't getting it done on the other side of the ice. Um, they, they weren't really keeping, uh, Carolina to the perimeter. And well, I won't, I'm not going to say for all of the games because they did do pretty well, um, in the start of both of those games at coming out on fire, being able to push, um, keep Carolina to the perimeter, limit their, um, high danger chances. Um, I, I'm just, I, I'm just, I need to see the Bruins are going to have to get a win in Carolina. We know that much. They're going to have to do it. Um, and I think you're right. I think that Tuesday's game is in my opinion, a must win. Um, I mean, technically not, but in my opinion, it's a must win. I do honestly think that if the Bruins win Tuesday, they're coming back home and they're winning it four games straight. I, I really do. Yeah. Um, going back to the uh, the chat here, and please, uh, everybody that's viewing, participate in the chat. Ask us questions. Keep feeding us. We're going to get a nice show out of this. We're doing a live stream, but we're also doing a podcast recording for episode 278, which I'm going to edit later on and get out on all platforms. So, so feed us some questions. Jerry H. coming in the house. Thank you, Jerry, for participating. Uh, no McAvoy, no Lindholm, no problem. Huge character win. D'Angelo should be suspended. Classless player. You know, that's the type of shit that they do in street hockey. I did that in street hockey. Yeah, you know throw your mean? stick. Yeah, I just throw your stick. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's still, it's still um, you know, it's not good sportsmanship, but it, it's just, don't do it. I mm-hmm. mean, now we, now you just, what, what he did there is basically showing the whole team that they were checked out of that game at that moment. Now, obviously, you can't come back from five, you know, you lost. It's over. But take it, take it like a man, and don't act like a child. Yeah, D'Angelo was removed from the New York Rangers roster for a reason. Yes, exactly. He's a good player, but he is a classless piece of crap. All right, Jason Larati's in the house. Uh, hey guys, seen somewhere that Cassidy didn't rule out Zaboro for Game Five. What's your thoughts on that? I am absolutely not even sure if I saw that. I'm not. I haven't. I don't know because. As of right now, and I know from our friend Dom Tiano, who could not join us this week uh, due to family family stuff, um, mentioned that when you read something on like CBS Sports and their injury reports, that they're not very accurate. But that one particularly had uh, Zaboro not being ready for at least September fifteenth. So right. I, I don't think he'll be he'll be ready to do that. And and that's an awful lot of pressure uh, in the playoffs to bring a guy in that's been out of the game for a long time 
uh, recovering from an injury, especially that one. I think it was it was it a was it an ACL or MCL? I think it was an ACL. Yeah, so but I'm not sure though. Don't quote me on it. I'm no doctor either, but I think that the one that he has is the is toughest one to recover from. So I, I wouldn't want to rush a, a player like Savoro. I'd, I'd much rather give him a little bit of confidence as he um, rehabs and so on and get him to uh, sign him to another two-year deal. What are your thoughts on bringing Zaboral back? I know we're both high on him. Oh, absolutely. I think Zaboral definitely needs to be back. Um, I think he has a top four ceiling. Um, and if you can have Zaboral, Lindholm, and eventually um, a guy like uh, Mason Lorai as your left side, you're sitting pretty. Yeah. Some people um, take the Zaboral uh, tire pumping to a, a whole new level, saying that we didn't see enough of him um, this past season for them to buy in that he's going to be a good player and should be retained. Um, but what we saw it, um, after the holiday season and him being inserted due to injuries was something special. And it was like something that we haven't seen in the past since he was a first round draft pick in 2015. Um, but I mean, at, at not a high money, money value or long term, I think a two year would be a really good thing to, to kind of feel it out a little bit, but it's not a bad gamble to get him at a, a million five to two and keep him around for a little bit. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's not going to be expensive. Um, and it's going to be a short term type deal. I don't, I, I mean, it's probably going to be in that one mil to 1.5 range. In my opinion, I don't see him getting much more than that. Just due to the fact that he was injured. He didn't really play much in Boston. He did show some stuff like we, like we were just discussing, which was great. Um, I, I think they definitely get something done. There's no reason not to, there's literally no reason not to get something done when he's proven this season that he can be very competitive for you at the NHL level, which is something, which is the reason why you drafted him in the first place. I mean, he still has that top four ceiling in my opinion, would have loved to have seen him with McAvoy as would you have. So, um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it'd be great to see. I mean, and I love that Lindholm McAvoy pairing as much as anyone, but if you could have a Zaboral McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, type of um top four i mean that would be incredible yeah i'm totally down for a zaboral and carlo second pairing there's nothing wrong with that or even yep that too you know even zaboral with a you know his game and and you know the the injury hopefully that gets all straightened out and you can come back obviously but you know even him on the third pairing is still a little bit stronger than i think what we have right now. I know yep. for I know Forbert's been playing really, really good lately. Yeah. Um, you know, blocking the shots, really putting his body out there, showing his team that he cares. You know, he's a quiet individual, but he's speaking volumes on the ice um, lately in these in this postseason. And that's what we need uh, this time of year is just everybody to get bought in. You sacrifice what you need to do and, and to win games and, and it's ultimately showing up. So uh, good on him. You know, hope, wish we saw that more. Uh, to begin the season and so on, but if you're saving all that for the uh, for the the best part of the year and and the ultimate run to a championship, if you make it that far, then do what you got to do, my man. Yeah, I mean, um, with Forbort, I think he's at his best when you're not noticing him. Um, now that is counter to the fact that the previous game, not this game we just watched and enjoyed and loved, 
but game three, he was very noticeable, but in a good way. He was, he was blocking a ton of shots. He was positionally sound. Um, he was one, he was probably the best defenseman on the ice that game, in my opinion. He, he looked so damn good. Riley has stepped in. He's playing great. Um, Clifton is doing what he needs to do to stay in the lineup. Brown today, he stepped in um, and was able to have a pretty okay effort. So you got to be happy with your defensive depth that where your two top defensemen go down you're still able to go out there and beat a team like the Carolina Hurricanes. And I don't want to hear it from Carolina fans. Uh, the refs. Uh. Did you watch game two? The Bruins were on like what? The, the Bruins The Bruins had like four, five on threes against them. They were on the penalty kill for probably more than half the game. I mean, I don't want to hear crap about that. I mean, this is a good statement win for the Boston Bruins. It's, I'm, I'm so excited. My mind is still kind of just up in the air, like Absolutely. flabbergasted, you know, yeah. about, about it. Like, same here, here. Same here. You could tell I'm babbling my words from excitement, but I do that on the regular. So here we are, man. Two, two. I know. New two, series. Two. That's the three. To be honest with you, it's like I wasn't throwing the the, the 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 white towel in and I wasn't jumping off the roof like many other Bruins fans were going down 0-2. You know, you're still in the series somewhat. It's how you recover from that. And right. obviously the Bruins both did in both games did well to get back into it. Now we'll see where we go here. We split, you know, we have one home game left. Um and it just you just gotta win you gotta win that home game, obviously, but you gotta win one on the road too. So like you mentioned earlier. Pejman, Pejman's in the house again, coming in with a great question. What do you guys think of the PK? Thought they were unbelievable and absolutely smothering on that four-minute five versus five. And that obviously the four-minute we talk, he's talking about was that the slash to Berger, Bergeron's face? Well, that would be the power play. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It would be the four men five v six. I think he's talking about. I don't know. Wait, smothering. And absolutely smothering on that four minute five v six. Oh, he's he's talking about uh, okay. So yeah, that's not really the PK oh, there, but All right. um, but he's talking about when they had the goaltender pulled. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think the PK got better as the game went on. Um, they definitely finished out pretty damn good. They were on top of it, um, and then the final four minutes there. Yeah, that was pretty stifling. There was only a couple moments where I was kind of gritting my teeth a little bit, but. They scored an empty net goal. When do they ever do that? <laughs> that was great to see. So absolutely, Brad Marchand back in the house. I mean, welcome back, sir, to the offensive side of the game. He's been uh, a player that's you know. Wow, Bergeron. I'm just looking at that. That was damn close to the eye. Holy crap! Yeah, are you looking at him right now too? I am too. I, that I, guy I, looks like I he to, just got punched by Kimbo Slice. I had to stop saying what I was saying because I had to look at his eye and just—I can't believe how close that is. That's crazy. He literally looks like he was just knocked out by Mike Tyson. Yeah, exactly. Yikes! Um, but uh, no. Uh, back to the Marshan thing. It's—I mean, Brad's been involved in the games uh, negatively and positively. Um, but it's really good to see him um, contribute more offensively because we need him um, in that in that threat that he provides. Uh, he's, he's got a great shot, good speed, can cut on a dime. Um, I'm still just 
I get frustrated with Brad's game because of the the zone entry and that backhand pass that just seems to always go to um, an opponent. Much like how uh, Pasternak does his zone entries, it's very tough to watch sometimes. But uh, you know, very good to have Brad back in the house and basically the production line. You know, and I said production. I'm so sick of the perfection line crap. <laughs> I made a joke. I made a joke on Twitter, and but obviously people don't get my, you know, candid humor. I guess right. But I said if if it was called the perfection line, the Bruins wouldn't be down 0 and two. And I knew that the team hasn't been that, that whole line hasn't been together, and I got kind of hammered for that. But uh, no, it's just good that the you know these guys have gotten back together and and producing. It's good to see Pasternak get, getting on board. These that front line is what we need to drive our offense, and 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 I I hope that the second line picks up on it too. We see Taylor Hall contributing a lot more um, lately, which is good too, and and. Obviously, Hall is being a really good, sustainable player, and um, you know it's just it. The secondary scoring has got to continue if we're going to. The further we go into these playoffs, and even the fourth line and third lines. I mean, the third line's kind of been a disappearing act lately, right? Um, but I don't know. I mean, and one third of it's on the ninth floor, so exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Trent Frederick. Uh, he's just. Uh, sometimes he's, he plays good in my opinion. I I'm, a, I'm a Frederick fan. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that, but I do understand when he makes some penalties, it, it's kind of dumb. It's, you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, rate the guy over the coals and say he sucks and he was a bust and all this stuff. So I, I still have faith in the uh, capabilities. Yeah. And Wagner uh, stepping in. I mean, what a story that is. Another great story. The mayor from uh, Weymouth, you know. Walpole. Um, Walpole. Charlie's the mayor from Weymouth. You know, I get those two screwed, screwed up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly is surprised. I mean, not overly surprised that Wagner would get in the lineup because uh, would be with the team. Now, I thought after the last game of the series of uh, the season against the Toronto Maple Leafs, so that was a really thank you game and so on. You know, you've been a real soldier <laughs> down in Providence. We've done, you've done everything we've asked. You've been a leader. You know, you've worked with our younger members of our, our development core. And, you know, hey, here's a thank you game. But guess what? He played freaking amazing. 11 hits and, uh, you know, skated well. And it just really showed that he, you know, wanted to get back in the NHL. And now he's in the playoffs, which is, you know, it's good on him. With the with the sitting of um, of Trent Frederick, it makes a roster spot for him, and I thought he was another positive game today. You know, conspiracy theory. What if Don Sweeney was just a step ahead of everybody and sent him down to the AHL so we could save the million plus dollars on the cap there for you know making the team better, and then Kucherov his ass in a different way. <laughs> AHL Kucher off his ass. Jesus. And then brought him in for the playoffs, ready to go. And Wagner is just like, what's good? I'm here. I'm ready to go. Obviously, he's not Kucher off, so don't jump down my throat. But I'm just saying, obviously, that's probably not the case. But, I mean, it's it's fun to think of because he's playing well. I mean, he looks like a player who should have been on this roster the entire year. Yeah. That's yeah. what he looks like right now. You yeah. know? So it's like, it's it's one of those things where you look at this player and you say to yourself, 
how the hell were you playing in the AHL all year when you come up here at the the hardest hockey to play in the entire world? NHL playoff hockey. And be doing what you're doing. Yeah. He looks great. He's bringing the energy, and that's what he's there for. No, I'm not saying Wagner's a bad player at all, and I'm not trashing him by any means. But in the games that I watched or attended as as a media member down in Providence, I just didn't see anything that really cried out that we needed to get this guy in the lineup. To be honest with you, right? I mean, you know, he was he was getting a couple goals here and there. He would go through streaks that we we wouldn't get the points in, but I just think that. His value down there to the younger players and the developmental core was that's that much more. Um, but but that, that that is the difference between the leagues too. Sometimes you can go down to the AHL and think you're playing really good and you're not. But mm-hmm. when you get up to the highest level in the league or back there from a long absence, it, it just it changes you. You you just you just want to give 150% and run through a wall. You know, it's, it's so we could be just, you know, seeing something that he he has to meet a certain expectation at this level. But if he's down there, stashed down there, it's not like he's going to be, you know, blowing it up and getting 30 goal seasons either. Right. So speaking of Providence and so on, it's very unfortunate for the Providence Bruins uh, to um, exit the playoffs, the playoff year. Uh, we returned to the Calder Cup Finals, uh, the playoffs, Calder Cup playoffs uh, for the first time in two full seasons uh, due to the pandemic crap and uh, get swept in two games by the uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And um, re- real unfortunate uh, season and, and playoff uh, hopes. Uh, it just sucks because the Providence Bruins got hit with a ton of injuries right at the end of the year. And they just couldn't recover. They did, you know, Bridgeport was just too much for them. Um, there was a couple of good games, but just not enough. And it's really sad because I thought that Ryan Mujanel, a first-year coach in the American Hockey League, and he was an assistant coach um, um, previously, did really well, you know. And he did well with what he had. So, um, you know, it sucks that the Providence got out. The future of Providence is looking good, though. Absolutely. I believe. I believe that. With the uh, NCAA signings that Don Sweeney has done and some of the guys that even came in at the minor pro level on AHL-only deals for for more looks is really starting to, like, replenish the uh, the prospect pool, you know? Yep. A lot of, you know, the, the, the Merkulov signing was really good, and he seems like he's injured. Uh, I don't think he got into a playoff game. I could be wrong, but... Um, yeah, I, I remember him getting off the ice and he couldn't put any weight on his foot at all. So, so is Brett Harrison going to Providence next year? Do you think that's what's going? What's in the? Cards? He was he was in Providence uh, on an ATO. Oh, so, so he is on an ATO. Yeah, but okay. here's the thing about um, CHL players and NCAA players: um, a CHL player can can go on an ATO and go back to juniors the following year. Okay. Because he's got eligibility to go back. All right, that makes or, sense. Or or the Bruins could sign him to an entry level deal, and they could. I mean, either way, if a Canadian hockey player can be signed to an entry level deal and go back to play for your juniors, right. you just get a contract slide and so on. So, so what do you think? Do you think he's province bound, or do you think he's going back to juniors? I just think that it was the same thing that 
the path that Jack Sinica took when he was with Oshawa. And, um, you know, he, after the, the year was over, he had an option to go play in Providence. I, I just think that's it. I don't think there's going to be any signing. Uh, it, it could be, you know, who knows? Right. Oh, another one. Staying with the prospects is, uh, is Sharon Deet. Sharon, hello, my dear. How are you? Hopefully all is good and your, your heart blood pressure is down after these two Boston Bruins wins. But what about Fabian Lysel? Definitely Providence bound. Yeah. Let's talk about Fabian Lysel. Um, he is currently in the second round of the WHL playoffs uh, against the um, Kamloops Blazers. They, the, uh, his team, the um, Vancouver giants actually were like the, the giants were a lower seed and Everett Silvertips were the highest seed. And and eight and one, yeah. Lysel, Lysel, and the uh, Giants just uh, cleaned house in that first round. Moved on to the second round. Unfortunately, the Giants are down in the series two to nothing right now. Uh, but man, Lysel was on fire with the assists. Like in six games, he had four goals, seven assists, eleven points. So how's that, Amesbury math? Woo-hoo! There it is. Cue up the um, Lysel to the Boston Bruins. After oh, yeah. the uh, playoffs end there in the w- WHL for them. Get ready for no. that. Well, yeah, there'll be the hype. You know, hey, Jake Nebraska's terrible. He's a quitter. We need this kid on the team. He scores goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll come soon. I'm sure hockey Twitter mm-hmm. will be full of that crap. I'm waiting for but, it. but let's be realistic about Fabian Lysel and, and, and his arrival. He could be with the Boston Bruins. But I'm not sure if he's going to get any ice. I think he's going to practice with the Black Aces, be around the organization to get that pro feeling, and and possibly, um, you know, have a successful development camp, which I can't wait to watch. I'm going to be in Boston for all all of those days. Uh, you should go with me if you want to. I'll probably um, be able to make it to at least one of them. But you know how my work schedule can get. So we'll oh, see. I, oh, I know. Um, you know, a good de- development camp, a good rookie camp, and then go into next fall's uh, NHL training camp and go from there. I still believe that he does, he needs a full season in the W and in, in the uh, American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that about every prospect. I'm not gonna back down on this. This is a, a hill I'll die on. I really think that even though it has worked in the past with Brandon Carlo and this person coming out of college and and making the roster. I get it, but this is a whole new time. We're, we're properly developing these prospects nowadays. There's no more rush from the podium to the roster. NHL, unless, unless you're Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, yes. Jack Eichel, unless you're those types of guys, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you know, a whole different story. Also, that puts a lot of pressure on a player like LaSalle that is going to come to the NHL level undersized. He's only five eleven, and he's he's like a buck seventy five or something like that. He's got some really good offensive capabilities. The guy can stick handle in a phone booth, but can he play that type of game when he's going to have a mix of, and I know the WHL is all a mix of all different size bodies too, but these are playoff intensity bodies coming at you, leaning on you and grinding mm-hmm. you down. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid to just come in from the WHL and go right in. Right. So, um, Back to my point, though, about the Austin Matthews and the Connor McDavid's of the world. Um, one guy 
who probably should not have gone straight from the podium to the NHL was Lafreniere. I think he would have benefited from some time in the AHL before making that jump. But since he's a first round pick, I mean, no, sorry. Since he's the, he was the first overall pick, you know, they expected him to be able to hop right in. I mean, we're seeing Owen Power, Owen Power, first round pick, stayed in college. Yeah. And now, I mean, he, now he's he, he's played a couple games here for Buffalo, but that was towards the end of the uh, of the season, and um, it's it's looking like that's the way it definitely should be, depending on the talent taken. Um, you know, like the, from actually from that draft, I don't think there was a single player um, who went straight from the podium to the NHL. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think so. Right. All right. Um, geez, where do we go from here? I mean, the Bruins did just win 5-2 to two against Carolina, and I think we should maybe talk more about this game because it was so freaking exciting. Um, it, it's, it's, what, it's what I feel like we're all here for right now is to talk about this game, break it down a bit. Um, for me, the start of the game, not really how you wanted to see them start the game. They let up another early goal. Uh, well, not early, but they let up another um, another goal first. They, you know, allowed Carolina to score first once again. That's the fourth time now in the series out of four games. Um, I think the Bruins are gonna have to be the first on the board in one of these games coming up here. They have to be. Um, you gotta be able to take a hold of a game. Like if the Bruins come out on Tuesday and they score two goals first. It's a two nothing game. That is huge, huge, especially in Carolina. I mean, I, I feel like they definitely need to score first in this upcoming game. I mean, obviously, they don't need to to win technically, but for me to feel comfortable with this team moving forward in this series, I need to see them score first. Yeah, but my biggest thing about that theory, and you're spot on, absolutely. The idea is to get ahead of your opponent. I get it. But sustaining that lead has always been a tough, tough task for this Boston Bruins team, particularly this year, whether you're talking about the regular season or this postseason. Mr. Crunchy Crunchison. Sorry, I didn't mean that. That's all right. Um, you know, you just you got to keep your skate on the opponent's throat and don't let up. Once you let up and they start exposing weaknesses, this is a scary team. It's a scary offensive mm-hmm. team that can come at you in many different avenues to try to get the puck in the net. And, you know, if you contain that, you play their, you know, pinching style and you push them to the outside, that what, what they're doing to us on several occasions, you play their game. You right. give it right back to them. You're going to be, you're going to break out even. So I think that you can hold the lead. It's just, you just got to dig down deep and, and figure it out, especially yeah. especially down a couple key members. Yep. I think that's why I mentioned if they can get out to like a 2 nothing start, that would be fantastic, and then just go from there. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think – I don't – I think it's going to be really tough to keep Carolina off the board in any of these games. I don't, I don't foresee them getting a shutout in any of these games. So you got to score early. And you got to score quick, and you got to score, you got to score in a way that's going to make them feel almost defeated, like they did to us in, let's say, game one, when we had a, we had a zero zero game going into the, into the second period. They get two goals, and then we come out in the third period. We get one goal to make it a one goal game, but then they pounce, 
and they make it 3-1 just like that. I think that's the type of game that we're going to see on Tuesday, and I hope it's in the Boston Bruins' favor. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd have to hurt you if you said the other way. Oh, I know. Oh, I hope Carolina wins. So, so, uh, so Thomas from the short shift can uh, lose his mind. I know, I know, and you know, this. Is, I, I'm really, really, obviously, you know, I'm very selfish in my Bruins fandom. I want the, I want the Bruins to beat Carolina so bad. Oh yeah, so bad. Just after what's been, what's you know, has been going on, been building up the past couple of years, particularly this season, by not, you know, eat, just by dominating us in the uh, in the regular season in those three games and outscoring us so much that we come back in the series and just blow them up. But also you got to give it to Thomas and, and you know, his, his non fandom of that organization. And <laughs> because it, it got it taken away from, uh, from his childhood. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumping for, uh, for, um, for Thomas. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Ah, this team, it's it, they are scary too. It is a yeah. scary team, and uh, you know, game one. Remember what they did in game one? They played Sweet Caroline, and the whole crowd there was singing it with the bomb, bomb, bombs, and you know. everything, the entire time. Well, not the entire time, but towards the end of the game. And I thought to myself, if the Car- if Carolina Hurricanes lose this series, I'm going to go back to that moment and just think to myself. What was, what was, I mean, I know it has nothing to do with the actual Carolina Hurricanes hockey team, but what was that arena thinking, throwing that up there and getting the crowd into it like that game one, game one. And at the time it was a three to one game (laughs) and they're throwing up sweet Caroline. I'm like, what the hell made no sense to me. You know, I was just like, that's a little cocky. Um, We've seen nothing but cockiness from the Carolina Hurricanes fan base um, you know, they thought that they, this series was won, completely won already, um, up 2-0. Well, where are we at now? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good Carolina Hurricanes fans out there in the hockey world and everything, but there's a lot of ones that are real disrespectful. Probably say I mean, the same I, thing about Bruins fans too. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it could swing either way, but, yep. you know, you're seeing a lot, of, a lot of really nasty stuff out there, you know, particularly. I'm not going to get into details, but – particularly about David Pasternak and what happened during the offseason. That yeah, kind of classless. Yeah, that's huge classless, man. I they mean, probably it, hang out with Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, right. <laughs> Y'all hang yeah. out together. Absolutely. Um, my boy Robbie Shennett in the house. He's a Patreon contributor. Thanks as always, Rob. I truly appreciate your support, financial and as a buddy and sharing everything. You got, you're amazing. But uh, Lazar, Lazar in this game – Wow. I thought yeah. he was really good, you yeah. know, and, and he did, he showed major discipline into uh, getting D'Angelo to take that, that penalty. And it really frustrated him to a boiling point at the end of the game that he had to be a little crybaby and throw a stick. How D'Angelo didn't get any extra minutes on that is crazy to me. Like he was, how many times did he hit Lazar in the face after the whistle? Right. How many times? And he, he didn't get any extra minutes whatsoever. I, I was really confused by that one. I mean, I'm not going to cry over it, obviously, but um, it, it sets a dangerous precedent. Yeah, well, the, the officiating in the series has been somewhat horrible. You know? Absolutely. It's, just, it's, not, it's not all there and everything. So, I mean, 
God, I don't remember what game it was, but it was Bergeron that was going into the corner along the goal line and it got tapped the guy in the back of the leg and he just like fell. Yeah. Got called for it. I, I mean, that, that was that was complete embellishment. Another one I wanted to talk about the officiating in this series and what we could see moving forward is oh, the God. slashing call. Like the slashing call is ridiculous. <clears throat> like we're actually I'm it, like the this fans that are reaching out like sending me clips of videos that's being blown up. Like they know what's coming, but once they feel that that little bit of pressure on the stick, they're fucking dropping the dropping the stick. Right. Yep. Absolutely. You know, why can't you call that embellishment? It, right. And, and I'm so sick and tired of the narrative. It's 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 um an extension of your hand. The stick is an extension of your hand, but when you chop it halfway, come on, this is, that's getting ridiculous. Unless you snap that stick in half, it should not be a slash. Exactly, and I totally forgot about that until I I saw you getting wound up about that, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Unless it breaks, whatever. But you know, if it doesn't break, you're basically letting that letting that go. <laughs> yeah, I could be ho- holding on to the stick the entire time with a thread. And as soon as somebody comes along and hits it, it's going to go down. So it's like people, like you said, people are loosening up their grip on their sticks when, you know, skating, someone goes and, you know, chops down on the stick to try to make a good hockey play and they just let it go. Yeah. Penalty. And I think that, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. I mean, they called it correctly. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is, but it's just one of those things that you don't want to see in the game. What's up, Larry Davies? Thank you for coming into the chat. Truly appreciate the support, bud. Sharon Dietz comes in with the with the, she's dropping facts now. You know, if Marshan did that, he'd be suspended. Probably talking <laughs> about the many times that uh, D'Angelo hit Lazar after the whistle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I mean D'Angelo. I don't know if he's going to get suspended, but he should definitely get fined. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Do do do. The amount of Sharon's like the amount of penalties called in these three games is ridiculous. It's insane. Is this playoff hockey? Yeah. What's going on here? I thought they put the whistles away during the playoffs. Yeah. And you know what though? We were so worried about the Boston Bruins uh, power play. How are we feeling today? Yeah. A little bit better. Definitely. Definitely something to work on. They're getting more opportunities and, and, in my opinion, it's the passing. It's the overpassing. They're getting too cute. Yeah. They're really looking for that that really perfect play or set up somebody that needs it, you know, the monkey at the back, whatever. But just put it on net. Right. Put it on net and see what happens. Look what Carolina's doing. Carolina, Jacob Slavin, just throwing shit on net. And yep. and it's finding its way through. Like like Jeremy Swayman got beat bad by a Slavin freaking. That's wrister. one he wants back. Oh, absolutely. And then people are freaking fighting with me. Oh, it was tipped. It changed direction. Bullshit. Bullshit. Stop sticking up for the shiny new toy. He makes mistakes too. Right. I mean, he had, he, I think he's had two really good games. Um, the, I mean, it could have been a four, one game. Um, if it wasn't for that goal that he definitely should have had, that was a really rough one. Um, and it's very, it's, it's very rare that it's a goaltender's fault that a puck goes in the net. It's very, very rare, very rare. Um, it's usually what happens before that. Like today, the uh, the second goal on Swayman, where uh, he was scored on, um, I think it was, it was Brown who chased a little bit behind the net, tried getting back into position, screened Swayman completely. Swayman had no idea what was going on. 
puck was shot, hit off of Brown's leg, and went and redirected the net. Now, had Brown not screened Swayman, had Brown not been standing directly in front of him, taking away every bit of view, that was hitting Swayman. He didn't even have to move. So, you know, goals like that, you look at that and you say to yourself, like, how can you even, you know, blame a goaltender for that when there's so many different things that happen um, that lead to goals before it's a goaltender's fault. And um, I, I think like, like with Allmark, I don't think either of those games were his fault. Right. At all. He was, I think he played great. He made a lot of saves they need to make. There was maybe one that he would have wanted to have back. And that was that weird backhand goal from Trocek that uh, hit off his helmet. And then it, it looked like he could have probably done a little bit more there. He just kind of like hit it through his head. You know, anyone who's watching the video, um, you know, and not the uh, recording here is going to see me whipping my head, whip my hair back and forth. But uh, he just whips his head to try to save the puck and just kind of hits it into the net. You know, that was one he definitely wants back. So, um, you know, and and, and in Tuka Rask's career, there's plenty of goals that I've seen him uh, give up that he probably wanted back. It's just something Mm -hmm. that happens. And I, I think this um, fan base, uh, a portion of this fan base, I should say, uh, is a little bit too rough on the uh, goaltenders. The, it's the hardest position to play in hockey, um, and it's really rough. Um, so, you know, you got to cut them some slack. They, they do the best they can. There's a lot of things on the ice that you're not seeing because you're not on the ice. You have no idea what they're seeing when it comes down to their vision, what they can actually see, how hard a shot is actually shot to the, um, uh, to the point where, you know, the best goaltender in the world can't even get the reflex to save that one. It's it's, there's a lot of things going on there. Sorry for my rant. No, no worries, man. Good content. Um, yeah. And the defense in this series is um, like, like it's, it's happening with Swayman and it's also happening with all Mike and net. It's just, they're not creating enough of the lane for the goaltender to see. So a lot, if you don't do that, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of these shots that are coming in are going to be redirected. And in the playoffs, there's a heavy percentage of goals that are coming in redirected. You know, there's a history. There's there's some science, some math behind it, which I'll look into doing some research about. I think 68% of all playoff goals come via not, by the stick scoring and just shooting right it comes from a redirection so yeah um you know and i'm sure second i'm sure second to that is probably the goaltender never seeing it tons of traffic exactly exactly but you know sharon uh brings up another uh point about this defense is is that we don't have any threat from the back end for shots getting through i you think know? i think riley is one guy you could count on for that and another guy I think would be good for that is Lindholm. And I'm sure you're going to be surprised I didn't say McAvoy. But I think McAvoy is more of a mover. And he also does have a good shot, but I don't think it's from the blue line. I think it's getting into the hash marks, um, you know, closer to the closer to the slot there where, where uh, McAvoy actually shines with that. But I think Riley um, and Lindholm are your best chances there when it comes to uh, a shot from the blue line. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here, just blue line. We're not saying that Grizzlick doesn't have a good shot or, you know, sometimes Carlo, you know, is a blind squirrel who gets a, who gets a nut and uh, fires one from the blue line and it um, creates some havoc and does something that you want to see. So um, we definitely don't have a guy like Slavin back there, though I'll tell you that, you know, who's able to – I mean, I'll tell you one thing. We're missing Charo in that, in that sense. 
um, of just having that rifling shot from the blue line that can either find a leg and redirect in or can just blow right past the goaltender because it was so it was so big of a shot. Um, but yeah, Carolina definitely has the edge when it comes to their blue liners and the points that they can get, especially from the blue line. Yeah, Sharon says the same thing. Carolina does well. Half of their goals have come from the D. Yep. You know, so uh, it's going to be interesting um, coming down the stretch here to game five. Um, obviously, uh, there's some, some healthy news coming around. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Hampus Lindholm could be back in as soon as Tuesday night. There's a strong possibility about that. He has been seen skating. Um, so getting him back in the lineup is, is, is huge. Um, and obviously McAvoy, hopefully that whole situation was not as, as bad as it was. Hopefully that whole, you know, COVID thing was a, was a, um, false positive, whatever. I, I, and I get the whole, um, protocols that the NHL has to go through and every team has to go through and so on. But I'm kind of surprised that they're, they're so strict nowadays. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. I read the private chat and lost my freaking lost track of my mind. That's on me. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's a fumble. All right. Um, yeah. So do you want to take a mid show break now or do it in 10 minutes? I think we can probably do it now. Yeah, why don't we do it now? Let's uh, hear from uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some fantastic stuff that um, that we give away here on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast on our Patreon. Uh, if you sign up, details are below. They've been in the ticker this whole time. But if you go to patreon.com slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate $1, you'll be eligible to win Terry O'Reilly's hand signed jersey, fully authentic. Authentic. Yeah, I can't say that word either. Authentic. Uh, now you got me not being able to say it. <laughs> I love it. Authentic. What yeah. the heck? I can usually say that word. Yeah. All right. It's authentic. Authentic. Thank yeah. You. This is his signature right here. You can win this for just for a dollar, but you can also win some fantastic weekly prizes like hand signed pucks from Derek Sanderson. Reggie Lemlin, Ed Johnston, Stanley Cup 70-72. Oh, Rick Middleton got tons of stuff. So we give all that stuff away. And um, I got to get caught up with a bunch of people. I know, Sharon, I got to get you some, some pucks out there. So anyway, let's hear from Bruce, and we'll be right back. Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are proud to have hosted Bruins legendary Hall of Fame goalie Jerry Cheevers. We are stocked with Cheevers jerseys with two inscriptions for just $79 or JSA pucks and photos for just $34. We also just hosted Miracle on Ice gold medalists and former Bruins Dave Christian and Dave Silk. Get your Miracle 80 dual-signed Team USA Olympic jerseys for just $139. Or grab a Christian or Silk USA hockey puck for just $39. Or an inscribed autographed photo against the Soviets for just $44. On May 15th, we have Big Bad Bruin John Wensink. Grab a Wensink Big Bad Bruin autographed jersey 
for just $79, a puck for $34, or a photo for just $29. And on May 30th, we have Miracle on Ice hero, Buzz Schneider. Get your Schneider jerseys, pucks, and photos starting at just $39. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we are back. We just heard me babble a little bit about, well, we just heard Bruce babble about the stuff that he has at uh, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And uh, if you did listen to that commercial, you can uh, follow him and uh, get some free stuff over there on the Facebook if you like and share his stuff. But also reach out via um, email to find out his inventory because he's got a ton of stuff that will dress up that fan cave that you that you desperately need to to uh, redo. That's just my opinion. I'm the creepy old guy that's watching you in your windows. That's weird. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, back for some Boston Bruins hockey talk. Please, everybody in the chat, hit us up with some more questions, concerns moving forward as this uh, series um, gets back on Tuesday night uh, on the road and then Thursday at home and game seven on the 14th on the road. So anything you guys want to talk about, go for it. Kevin, what do you want to talk about? So out the gate here, I, I see that they're talking about the McAvoy um, uh, COVID protocol stuff. So I, I do want to talk about that real quick. Now, if he did now, if, if McAvoy did test positive today, okay. Um, I believe the new rule is after five days, as long as your symptoms have improved and you're good to go, you can now, you know, go back and play. And of course that is, uh, of course the NHL could have their own rules on that, but let's say, you know, it's five, six days or something like that. You could definitely see uh, McAvoy back in there for the um, uh, either game six or game seven. And that's only if he, is able to recover the way he needs to uh, from COVID, of course. Sharon, Sharon types in a little bit of uh, some information. The only test now, if the symptoms, so if McAvoy tested positive, he's most likely out for the series. The series would end Sunday if it went seven games. So, uh, and that's next Sunday. So I don't, I think he'd be able to play that game as long as the, I don't know. I got to look up the NHL rules on uh, when it comes down to it, but I think they've definitely become a lot less strict on that. I I think they might be following the CDC guidelines of um, five days uh, and your symptoms have greatly improved, like, and you're no longer sick or whatever. Um, I think that's where we could see McAvoy come in. Yeah. Sooner the better. This defense definitely needs him. Um, his physicality is missed out there. I mean, he's just a freaking truck in this series, just hitting everything. Yeah, it, you know, it has been a very physical series, regardless of what people are thinking. That I mean, I've heard so many people talk about this isn't physical enough. This isn't big bad Bruins enough. I've seen some really good, good competitive hockey in this series lately. Right. <laughs> Another thing too. McAvoy, I mean, we don't even know if McAvoy has tested positive or anything like that. For all we know, he had some symptoms 
and they pulled him off the ice because he had symptoms that lined up with COVID and they said, okay, well, we got to pull him. We can't have him out there. This is protocol. So now I think we'll get information. I'm sure he's getting tested today. So we'll get information on whether or not he gets that positive test. But I mean, for all we know, he could just have some allergies. I mean, allergies have been kicking my ass today. I'll tell you that. My God, yeah. I, I had a sneezing fit on the way home from breakfast this morning. I, I thought I was going to get into a car accident. I was sneezing so much. So, um, you know, he might, um, he, you know, maybe he has like a sore throat, coughing a little bit. Uh, maybe it's a cold. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But obviously he was definitely okay enough to play if he was on the ice dressed, ready to go. And they pulled him. So I'm not overly concerned there. I, um, I, I don't think he's going to end up having COVID. I mean, when's the last time we even heard of a player getting COVID in the NHL? I heard something the other day. But it was uh, – I don't know if it was, a, it was a player that was – I don't know. I thought I heard something the other day about it. Shit. I don't know. Mark McDonald comes in. Thoughts on Josh Brown? Do you take him out? And if so, who do you put in to replace him? I keep him. Yeah. I keep, yeah, I keep him around. I mean, he's definitely going to be around regardless, but – um, he's going to slot down lower because of the the um, the injuries to uh, Hampus Lindholm and and obviously what's going on with with Charlie Coyle Charlie McAvoy right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought he did okay for his first game. I think it was his, was this his first playoff action this series. This series, yes. Yeah. So sorry for the on. Um, yeah, I thought he did all right. And obviously, if he gets another game on Tuesday, it'll be a little more experience. And I think he could be a little bit better. Um, but, you know, a guy like that, his presence is going to be uh, needed whenever he gets slot in there mm-hmm. uh, to move bodies around. He's a big guy. He, he can throw the fists around. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about his offensive capabilities, but, uh, you know, stay at home type of guy, I believe. And, and I think that he can, you know create those lanes that the goaltenders need when, when, when the opponent is at the top of the crease trying to create havoc, you know, you got to move those guys to be able to see the puck. So I think that he could be um, that type of player, but he's definitely not going to blow you away with this, with his stats and so Mm -hmm. on. This reminds me a little bit of 2013, decent amount of injuries to the blue line. And then do you remember who came in and uh, started his career? Was it, was it um, Tory Krug? Yep. Mr. Tory Krug came in during the uh, New York Rangers series and uh, absolutely lit the lamp. I mean, he ended up getting injured too, but um, I think next guy up for the Boston Bruins, say another person were to go down or Josh Brown wasn't working out or whatever it was, I believe the next guy up is Jack Deshaun. Yes. Yeah. Could you imagine if Jack Deshaun came into the playoffs and all of a sudden out of nowhere, he's just like, oh, you guys need scoring from the blue line? Hi. Seen it. We, you know, we've seen it, we, we, and we're definitely not going to be, you know, you know, pumping Jack's tires to to get him in there as soon as possible. But he's just another player that comes from the middle depths uh, and and can be a, a decent member of this team when asked. And we've yep. seen it. We, mm-hmm. I've seen really good offensive capabilities from Jack, especially uh, at the NHL level, where I just didn't think that he could he could stick handle and move like that. But his little body gets through certain places. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he score a goal against um, the Carolina Hurricanes? Mm, no. Oh, was that, no? 
I don't was think it, that was the Hurricanes. Um, was it a Metro team? Maybe. I think it was the Rangers. I want to say it was okay. the Rangers or okay. the Penguins. Yeah. Um, but- yeah. Uh, and Sharon, yeah, I wasn't saying that Brown would be the Krug. I was saying Jack Ashan would be the Krug. Yeah. Yeah, just by offensive capabilities. Yeah, he, the kid can move. He's got some wheels. You know, I mean, he's like Oscar Steen down south. Those those freaking tree trunks for legs. They're freaking unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, All that right. kid is a pit bull. Where do we go? Where do we go? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? This is this is unbelievable. Guess I know who, I know folks. I know what's happening right now. Guess who's here, folks? It's the Dominator. Good day, boys. What's yeah. up, Tom? I messaged. Well, you know, I had a busy weekend with the grandson, and today I was busy teaching them how to jump off the couch and cheer when the Bruins scored. So <laughs> it went a long way today. Well, it's good to see you. Good to have you. Good to hear that you got some uh, some grandkid time. Some family time is always good time, my friend. Oh yeah, I got in trouble. I didn't put him to bed till ten thirty last night. So I know yeah. you told me that. Said, this hey, that's what grandpas are for, right? Spoil <laughs> them. Just, just don't be- feed them after midnight. Exactly. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Robbie Shennett coming in, my boy, saying Happy Mother's Day, everybody. That's awesome. So, uh, wow, Zachiel, um, if Lindholm is a go, do you take Riley out? Interesting question. No, I take Brown out. I I take Brown out and I play Riley on his offside because I think Riley on his offside would probably be a better option in the playoffs than Josh Brown. Sure. Riley's played two good games. Mm -hmm. He really has. Uh, Anybody who's knocking – on him and there are a few out there you know just watch he he he's played two very good games for the bruins oh yeah today he got physical too yes very that physical hit behind the net oh yeah Madison. that's the one i'm thinking of when i said yeah. that yeah the um i wonder if i still have that picture no i don't i deleted it but i was going to post the um the picture of uh, mike yeah. riley getting a high sticking penalty and you know, Elmo. That he was, kept that the was, stick down. Yeah, he did too. Sharon's got a good question there too. If they lose a forward? Yeah. Sharon says, if they lose a forward, who do you see coming in? You'd expect me to say Trent Frederick going back in there, but I believe it's Anton Bleed. I agree with you. Um, they, you know, there's people that, that have their own made-up home analytics that are saying how great uh, Trent Frederick is, but he was not good, and he does not deserve to be back in the lineup. Yeah, at least for right now. Yeah. And actually, uh, staying on Sharon um, Dietz, one of my favorite folks, uh, she mentioned earlier in the chat that um, uh, she's wondering if there was any word of the Black Aces being mentioned. Have we heard anything yet, Dom? I haven't heard a thing. All I know is Kyle Kaiser is up with the team uh, as the third goaltender, but that's it. That's all I've got. Okay. Yeah, now, I haven't heard anything either since. Yeah, he's, he's been up since the start of the playoffs as the third goaltender, um, but I got nothing else beyond that. Interesting. All right. 
Um, and yeah, Larry's got something here too. Brown gives us some toughness back there though. Yeah, he does. But at the same time, I think he was directly related to that second goal in today's game. He did have a decent game other than that. But I think Riley showed today that he can give you just as much toughness, if not more. And he can give you the transition. Yeah. Which is going to be key. I mean, you still have to win a game in Carolina where Carolina has the matchup advantage, um, which is key for them. Uh, so transitioning becomes that much more important. Yep. Mm-hmm. And earlier I did say that I think Tuesday is a must win, but I'm actually going to retract that statement because if they lose Tuesday – and they go back home and they win that game and it's just a winner takes all. It, when neither team has won in each other's buildings, that just reminds me of the Stanley Cup Finals uh, 2011 where the Boston advantage, Bruins had to win. Boston there. The, with yeah. the experience they have in those situations, it's advantage Boston. Now, <clears throat> goaltending comes into play. Who's to say what's going to happen with uh, – with Carolina and Freddie Anderson, but Freddie Anderson's record in in Game Sevens is not Tough. good. No, <laughs> but you you also have to remember, and you know we talked about this before. That was in a porous defense in Toronto, so uh, different different situation. Yeah, Gardner did not help. No. But that is what it is, isn't it? Uh, Dom, now that you're here, let's hear your reaction to the series so far. What do you got? The three of us talked about it before the series on how the Bruins needed to play uh, to be able to beat Carolina. And I said, just think back to the Tampa Bay game. And you guys messaged me at the end of the first period of game one. Uh, describing it to a T, what they had to do. And and I think it was Mark that said exactly what Dom said. And to go back, if you can go back to that period one in game one, that's what they need to do. With one exception, uh, the Bruins had too many flybys in that period. They weren't stopping, and they weren't stopping in front of the net. They weren't, they weren't getting to those second and third chance opportunities. And Mark Messier, I believe that was what, the ESPN broadcast game one, uh, actually broke down one of them really well. The, the, the chance where Jake DeBrusque did his flyby, he stopped behind the goal line and tried to reach back. And he had neither the, the reach or the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? The, the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is to, to be able to knock it in from where he was. So, um, uh, game three and four were a little bit better. I think we saw it with, uh, Bergeron's goals in, in stopping in front of, doesn't matter who the goaltender is. Ronta, or I'm not even going to try to pronounce the other guy's name. Forget <laughs> it. Uh, we'll just call him Peter. 
<laughs> no, it, it's not like Georgi Merkulov. Eh? There we go. Uh, I knew that was coming. One per so, pod. <laughs> the, the, if if they if they can do that, and they can prevent the flybys and play defensively sound like they are playing, then they can beat this team. And yep. and then it'll come down to specialty teams. And right now, the Bruins are winning the specialty teams uh, uh, battle. So who, who thought we'd be saying that? No, especially when you're going up against a, a PK as good as Carolina's and a Rated PK number one. That, is, that, that has suffered as much as the Bruins has for the last, what, six weeks? Yeah. Yep. Now, I will tell you, and I will, I will, I will say this because I've probably known who Tony D'Angelo was long before NHL fans had even heard of him. But they got to him today. And mm-hmm. um, Tony D'Angelo come game five in Carolina. If the Bruins get in on him early and throw him off his game, watch out because this guy's going to lose it and he's going to cost them. So yeah. I would be keen, whether I'm Curtis Lazar or I'm Nick Felino or I'm Chris Wagner, I would be on top of him every chance because this guy is an explosion waiting to happen. And um, I've seen it for years. Like I said, I, I, I watched him in junior. Uh, I watched him in midget. He's going to explode. His temper is that bad, and he's going to cost his team. And they have to exploit it. Get in his kitchen early. You need some anger management. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I just know way too much about him off the ice that Yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. His history speaks volumes as well. Yeah. What about Yorgi? Does he need um, any uh, anger management or is he good to go? <laughs> Who? Yorgi, Yorgi, Yorgi. No, he doesn't. He he doesn't need any. Okay, that's good. Then. Any injury update on him, by the way? No, no nothing. I haven't but, heard anything yeah. either. Um, I'm more concerned with uh, Lindholm. By all accounts, everything sounds really, really good. Um, McAvoy. I know that uh, there's stuff out there on Twitter that says that uh, uh, COVID protocol says he has to miss game four, which he did today, and game five. Uh, but that all depends on when his systems, his symptoms started. So uh, whether the, the people that are putting that information out there uh, have information that we haven't heard, who knows, but um protocol says that uh it depends on when he first had symptoms because he has to be symptom free for five days and who knows he could have been had symptoms yesterday and been symptom free today or he could have had symptoms two days ago after the game and been symptom free for for two days so it's it's hard to say yeah this is a tough one um to to, to gauge to be honest with you um, but hopefully, obviously, hopefully he's he's okay and you know gets back on the ice as soon as possible, um, you know. And but when we started the uh, this live stream earlier, um, we did mention that 
there's a lot of good positive things coming from the next man up mentality with without mm-hmm. the Lindholms and out the McAvoys. And, and it's really good to see. And I think this is a really good time for these players to get in there and prove what they can do and be trusted when, when these, uh, these world talents are not on your team, especially in a, uh, in a postseason where everything comes at you a lot faster, the intensity level rises and puts a lot of pressure on some members that are going to be playing more minutes for a game, you know, right. be heavily relied on. But I think that it, it, there's a nice comfort level. This It's not all going to be 100%, you know, we're okay. We're this and that. We're all good. It's going to be uh, times of frustration and so on. I totally get it. But that's just part of how you create good chemistry without without the supporting members. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, the, the coaching – staff has some I don't know major decisions to make going into into game five uh first and foremost and and I know that everybody's gonna jump on me for even suggesting this uh is do you start Almerk or do you start Swayman and believe me they are giving consideration Almerk will get consideration because uh the game is in Carolina it's a hostile crowd, uh, and Carolina's going to come at them in waves. And we've seen, uh, i.e., the, the Toronto Maple Leafs game, how Swayman reacts to that. Uh, so um, don't jump on me, fans, for suggesting that they're giving consideration to it because consideration will be given to it. Uh, the other thing is what do they do with the – uh, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line because we know the matchup is going to be there and they're going to go up against Stahl's line. And do you break it up to spread out that offense? And uh, um, then, of course, uh, what do you do if uh, if Lindholm is able to get back into the lineup Tuesday night? Yeah. But I don't think, like Kevin said, I don't think that decision is as difficult as as the other two. Yeah, it should be interesting um, on how that all plans, pans out. Um, I don't mind the idea of going back to spreading the offense out because you're going to have to do that with a Carolina team like this. Yep. You get, you know, you and especially in the playoffs, you got to rely on all four lines to click and not just on the top two. Um, and the our third line needs to be better, in my opinion. Yep. You know, I think I'm not totally crapping on Charlie Coyle, but we need a little bit more from him um, and, and, and uh, his line mate. Um, what else are they going to say? But the uh, the third line of the Carolina Hurricanes has just been a freaking nuisance all series. Yeah. You know, and, and once you contain them and you expose their weaknesses, I think you can really control the series here and also get at the goaltender. Got to be, got to be more net front, better opportunities to get through, um, and secondary scoring is going to pick up to really solidify this best of three that it's coming down to right now. Yep. Yeah. Credit to the fourth line. They've been superb. Uh, yeah. That that fourth line has been truly amazing, especially Lazar. And I, I know there are some fans that, just don't like Curtis Lazar, but um, they say he's not a driver, but he drives that fourth line. It, it's he's what makes them click. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they, they there's a few times today they got hemmed in their own zone, but they've gotten everything they've needed from that fourth line, uh, but production. And I don't think Cassidy and his staff is really looking for production from, from them. He's looking at them to don't get beat defensively, uh, spend a lot of time in the Carolina end, create havoc, uh, establish the, the cycle game, the forechecking game, and the hitting game. And they've given them, given them just that. Yep. They create a lot of chances, too, uh, especially in game one, I believe. I, I thought they were one of their better lines. Um, they created a decent amount of chances. Unfortunately, they weren't really able to finish, but none of them really were able to. No, and, and but that's all you can really ask for from your first fourth line. If, if I mean, Lazar <coughs> had a couple of chances today. It, it's uh, kudos to him uh, on that D'Angelo hit to the cross check to the face. I mean, he kept us cool. If that was a regular season game, he would have retaliated. They, they, it would have been evened up. There would have been no power play there. Um, and he's drawn penalties in this series, and and that's what they need for him. But I totally agree with Mark. More is needed from the third line. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can only ride with your possession so far. You got to start contributing with shots and and you know passes and so on to extend that you know, scoring ability, which I think is just so important. I really want this team to <laughs> really figure it out from one line down to four on how, because we know that there's going to be defensive uh, mistakes and we know that there's going to be turnovers that are going to happen, but I want to see the offense get so much better and just be able to put one or two in the net after a small mistake to, to really get that cushion, create a gap in the scoring sheet um, you know, to try to get these points and uh, during the regular season and obviously in uh, the goal of uh, possibly, you know, making a run to the Stanley Cup. When this team was rolling four lines, um, I want to say midway through between January 1st and um, uh, the end of the season, they were so dangerous, so dangerous. And a lot of it had to do with that third line and how they were able to click. And that's something we really thought was going to be a huge factor going into this playoffs of whether or not they'd be successful. That still holds true because they're two, two in a series right now. They were down in a hole two Oh, that third line definitely needs to get going. They're already without one member who is now sitting on the ninth floor, justifiably so. Um, so they got to create something there. And you know, one thing that we did see today was coil and hall back together. Yeah, uh, we did right. see that. It didn't look bad, but I'm interested to see how we're going. I don't want this to turn into them relying on the production line again. I don't want to see that happen. Uh, Pasenak looks like he's going. I mean, maybe I don't want to mess with what's going on right now, but maybe if you put him back with Hall on that second line, put that second line back together and then put Jake back up on that first. I mean, cause Jake's going now, Brad's going now, Patricia's going now. Uh, Hall has been good the whole series. 
Um, you know, Hall has been, you know, the glue guy. I mean, I'd like to see them try to get that top six back together so we can have more balanced scoring. But um, I'm also not going to complain or be surprised if Cassidy goes back into uh, Raleigh on um, on uh, Tuesday with that production line intact. Well, my opinion is in Carolina to, to get out of the matchup, you almost have to. Um, I will say this about Cassidy. He gets a lot of crap for um, – not making in-game adjustments, not making um, in-series adjustments, but it's far from true. Like, he has made adjustments. Um, Look, when when the Bruins' power play started to falter, the three of us discussed it way back when, about, at least for me, how surprised I was that a lot of other NHL teams didn't figure out how easy it, it is to uh, disrupt the Bruins' zone entries because it's the same play all the time. But he adjusted that through game one. He adjusted it through game two. Uh, he made major changes to the power play in game three. Today, he had five forwards out. On the that power. was interesting. You know, so the, this – and and – you know, the supposed rift between Patrice Bergeron and and um, Butch Cassidy, uh, Patrice Bergeron come right out and said it today, that Bruce Cassidy approached him about putting he, Marchand, and Pasternak back together and wanted his opinion and what he thought was best for the team. For a coach to do, a coach is not going to do that if there's a rift between himself and the captain of the team. So, this hogwash about no adjustments, no game planning, no changing is hogwash. The Bruins do it. You, we, you just have to dissect the game to the to a microscope level to see it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they are there. Yeah. I think I think most for most people they they see the starting lineup and they they think that that's what stays throughout the whole game because there's constant there's constant adjustments that folks just don't see when you know as it perspires transpires. God, I'm a bunch of fun with words today, guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. no, you're right though. I mean, and and going back to you know putting the five forwards out there for that five on three to start the third period, it paid off. It yep. definitely paid off. I mean, um, they they um, they got it with a second remaining, I believe, on the five on three. Brad Marchand's goal, beautiful shot, by the way, beautiful shot through traffic. One of the things we talked about, they needed to get traffic in front of the goaltender. I knew they were going to go back to Ranta today, um, and I'm 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 very happy to see that they were able to put up four on Ranta. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's go back, if if we can, for a second, to the Pasternak hit on on Ranta. Oh, God. I'm just going to say, this is all I'm going to say about it, because people will form their own opinions. And the three of us talked about it before the series began. We all knew at some point, anti-Ranta was going to get hurt in this series. We all knew. It happens to him whether it's real or it's all psychological to him or it's in his head 
uh, oh, something doesn't feel right. My groin doesn't feel good. Uh, hmm. Whatever it is, we all knew it was going to happen. So um, that's all I got to say about that hit because there, there's so much crap going on out there. Can you really even call it a hit? No, I wouldn't call it a hit. That's he, why he, I think he, he like yeah. he gracefully touched his face and I, and, I think. What happened is a skate come up and caught the mask and did right after that. It did more damage than, and the damage was caused by the mask. It wasn't caused by, um, by Plasternax. So, right. Now here's, here's my question for you both. Do you guys think that's seriously a penalty? No, no, I don't. I, well, as a no, no, I will disagree. I agree. It's, I will agree with a two-minute minor, but nothing more than that. Because you you he he tried to block Ronta's clearing attempt. I will give him that. But I don't think he made I don't think Pasternak made 100 percent effort uh to try to avoid contact. I think he made it look like he was trying to avoid contact. Uh, but that wasn't a wholehearted effort. So yeah, I I didn't <laughs> mind a two-minute minor in that situation. Now, was Ranta outside of the crease? I'd have to go back and look at this, but I don't know yeah, if Ranta just made he it was. outside the crease. Yeah, he made a commitment but, to come out and play the puck, so I thought yeah. that he'd be vulnerable at that time for any contact, which, in my opinion, wasn't a penalty. But he's not. He's not. He's, right. Right? So, um, yeah, I have no issue with it with a two minute minor it's look i look at officiating this way i never complain about it i never give them pats on the back i i don't even comment on officiating because you have to play what's put in front of you okay and 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 that's what you have to react to today the carolina hurricanes fell apart and and they overreacted to the officiating what got them into more trouble and the Bruins stayed within it. And if Carolina wants to fall apart, if Rod Brindamore wants to go on a rampage, let them. But as long as Cassidy and the Bruins stay within it, I don't give a damn about the officiating. You have to play and adjust to what's put in front of you. Yes. Um, you know, and I think, to, I think today's game, was a rerun of game two with a different, with a different, different outcome. Right. Agreed. The teams flip-flopped. All right. So going back on uh, the, the talk about Bruce Cassidy and, and some ripples with Patrice Bergeron or vice versa, let's, uh, and, and, and um, Dom pretty much uh, kibosh and all of that. This is what um, Dom, Bruce Cassidy had to say. Um, in his press conference, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he's got the C on his sweater for a reason. We don't win every, we don't win very many nights without him being who he is. He has been excellent the whole series. He's the oldest guy on our team, and he looks some days like he's the youngest. Coach Cassidy on Bergie's three-point afternoon. What a warrior Bergeron is. I mean, he was ready to go right back out there. With 25 seconds left in the third period, I mean the second period, 
to continue, you know, on that five on three. He was ready to go. Refs wouldn't allow him. He was pissed about it. So what did he do? He went down there. He got stitched up, and he was ready to go, ready to play. And you got to love that. I mean, had that happened to a guy in a different sport, he's out for the rest of the game. Pretty much. Pretty much. And it's the only reason he wasn't allowed to go back out there is um, couldn't stop bleeding. You know, it's an NHL rule. You can't yep. go out there with blood on your jersey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. He needed stitches. There was no um, blood stop on the bench that was going to uh, fix that for the next 25 seconds. He definitely needed to be patched up. So yeah. I agree with the officials. Um, I, I'm not complaining about the officials um, in that instance or anything like that. I'm just speaking more towards the character of Patrice Bergeron, um, you know, gushing blood and all ready to go out there and, um, and finish what, what uh, they had started there, uh, which was a, oh my God, the, the end of that second period. What a, uh, what a series of events. I mean, Boston gets on the power play. DeBrus scores a goal that, of course, Canes fans are going to see as controversial. They already feel like they got screwed on the goaltender interference um, calling game one, which I don't understand how they think they were screwed when they won the game, uh, four to one. Um, and then you have this one where they feel like, you know, DeBrusque interfered with him enough to where it should have been a goaltender interference, which I do disagree with. And that's not because I have black and gold colored glasses on. I just didn't see enough there. Um, There's a lot of commotion in front of that net. Uh, the attempt was, for, was you know, it didn't, it didn't have enough for me. I mean, the puck could have easily have been covered there. Um, so that was, I, I don't think he was impeded on being able to cover the puck at all at any point or anything like that. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Here, here's how I see it. Ronta's left pad was, was pushed enough away from the goal post and behind the goal line to open up the five hole, which allowed um, the, the puck to go to be batted through. Okay. Okay. Of every replay I saw, it was inconclusive on whether it was DeBrusque, DeBrusque stick, or Pe- I think it was Pesci stick yep. that knocked Ronta's pad back. Because or had both. it been, had it been, no, it was only one stick, but it was inconclusive as to which one did it. Had it been conclusive that it was DeBrusque stick, that goal gets called back. Because yeah. it wouldn't have happened, but it was inconclusive. So uh, I see a comment there that said replay showed that it was actually a, a Kane's player stick, but I didn't see that replay. Um, so there you go. I, I think if it was DeBrus stick, it would have been called back and. <clears throat> Brindamore must have saw something or their uh, video replay coach or um, probably misread it and and thought it was DeBrusque stick. So, uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's the you way Because I, I know, yeah, because the reason why I, say, I said that it, there wasn't enough there for me was because of 
the whole situation where they weren't sure exactly how his pad was pushed in there, you know? Right. Now, like you said, if it was DeBrusque, yeah, that would make sense because it kind of mirrors the Lena Selmark uh, situation there um, in a sense. Um, but that, that was just the tip of the iceberg for, um, you know, the final few minutes of that period, because then from there, like you said, it was challenged. They didn't win that challenge, which means you now get a delay of game call. So the Bruins are right back on the power play and not too yeah. long into that power play. Bergeron gets absolutely gashed in the eye by a high stick. And uh, that becomes a four minute minor. So you now got a five on three for about a, a little over a minute there, I believe. And that's just to end out the period. I mean, I had every feeling in my bones that they were definitely scoring once they came back out there um, in that third period with all that power play time. I knew they were going to do it because they knew they had to. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that game, you mentioned it earlier, scoring uh, with one second left on that five on three. That one second changed the game yep. it changed the momentum of the game uh because it left it left him with what 254 still left of pp time 253 not to be nitpicky 253 <laughs> um if if they had if it had been the second later that 53 second of of the of the second pen or the first penalty to um What's his name for the high stick? Riley? Um, no. Oh, sorry. Carolina, high stick on Bergeron. <laughs> You'd think it was Riley. Um, uh, no, I, I – who was it? That, that would have been nullified and they – Aho. Yes, Sebastian. Yeah, there you go. That Look at that. that. My buddy that would have been nullified and, and um, you know, they would have been into the second penalty. So – that that kept Aho off the ice for the full four minutes. Despite the 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 momentum swing the Bruins got from the the power play, when you yep. can keep a guy like Sebastian Aho off the ice for four minutes, uh, you know you've done a pretty good job. Yeah, um, actually, it was fifty four seconds. You're right, because Nesson messed up putting two fifty three up there when it was actually. It was actually uh, two uh, two minutes and fifty four seconds. Um, but other than that, uh, they did a good job at um, you know putting a lot of the top guys for Carolina into the box. I mean, you had Trocheck in there, yeah. You had Slavin in there. Um, you know, you had some guys in there that um, that they really need on the ice. So they definitely did a good job there. Trocheck took a few penalties today, and it, it was the same in Game Three as well. Yeah, he did. Uh, one of them was. Really, really dumb um, when he uh, flipped that puck up and over the uh, to make it a five on three on that um, on that clearing attempt. He had like all the ice in the world, and he flipped the puck up over the uh, over the glass. That was a bad one. Speaking of glass, how about that Friday night game with that that off ice um, attendant? That was scary. That was strange. It was. It you know, but. Yeah, those fans are rocking, man. If they're going to find a piece of glass to bang on, they're going to do it. But <laughs> wow, that was I, a. I hate it, man. I hate yeah, it when I, we bang on the glass like that. I know, but Jesus, that was a big, you, thick 
painted glass yeah. coming down that guy. You never, you never know when that glass is going to give away. Yeah. You never know. It's just leave it alone. Someone's going to get seriously hurt one day. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, that the gentleman is going to be okay. And, and, and I hear he's going to be back on the 12th for the game in um, at the TD Garden. So, uh, you know, it's good to hear that he's okay. Good. And uh, yeah, that night was weird. I mean, you had Jack Edwards uh, talking about people being on Queer Street. Um, yeah, I heard that too. I was like, yeah. crap, man. Said he's like, he's like, oh, he's on Queer Street. And then and it was so funny too because Brick, you know, analyzing it, he was like, you said he was on Queer Street. But <laughs> just like, what? what is with this Queer Street crap? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, what does that even mean? I swear. So, I swear. We're not getting the Nesson feed up here in Canada. Sportsnet decided to go with either ESPN or TNT when they usually go with Nesson. Um, but for most of the season, they've shown the Nesson feed. And I swear, listening to Jack pronounce names sometimes, <laughs> I, I think he's drunk. He's usually good I, at that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's getting bad. And it's not just opposing players, it's even Bruins players. So I don't know. <laughs> all right. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. that's all right. Well, you, can, you can edit it out. <laughs> this is the live stream. <laughs> oh well, there you go. I mean, it's all right. But I mean Jack it's already it's, 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 it's a constructive criticism. It is yeah, what it is. Yeah. Until he at me on Twitter and says, what the fuck are you talking about? It's already you know? well known by freaking Biz from Spitting Chicklets that he gets after it smoking the weed. So oh, well, okay. <laughs> have you seen have you seen Jack's new uh commercial there on Nesson? <laughs> no, what is it? <laughs> He's like getting up like people are talking about their goals and stuff like that and and Jack keeps standing up going goal and then he'll go another goal. He's just like Freaking out! I'll clip a video and send it to you, Dom. Oh, jeez, it's so weird. It's funny. It's funny. You know, Jack is a character. One thing I can say is Nesson would not be the same without him. I I I will say that definitely would not be the same. You can see this. You can say the same about Andy, but um, but Jack, he is such a character. He really is. Listen, Brick is one of the best in the business as as an analyst. He really is. He understands the game. He played the game, um, and he knows the players. It's um, just a, remarkable how this guy is not on a on a national network as an analyst. What yeah. I what I what I like about Brick is is the way he talks about the game and and folks and how folks can relate to it. He's not like overly like smart about it he breaks it down for like the people people that want to learn more about the game yeah. they can understand it you know i think that's important in today's game and we need more analysts like that to to grow the game for the folks yeah. that don't exactly understand when they're first coming in you know you don't want to hear smart ass all the time you want to hear how it relates and, and you know how you, how you absorb information and i think that's the way brick does it very well razor's good with it too Yes. I think Razor, when he first started, was a little uncomfortable in front of the camera and the microphone. Yeah. But he's gotten really, really good at it. Really, really good. Especially listening to him on Morning Brew, uh, 
analyze and break down what the goaltenders are doing. Um, truly amazing job. Yep. Yep. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, being a goaltender, a former Boston Bruins goaltender, he knows everything that goes on, what Tuka Rask went through, what all these goalies are going through. But also he knows he is so intelligent and he breaks everything down well that he talks people off the roof when they're like yeah. completely freaking out about goaltenders, especially when like Lenius Almec was signed, people went absolutely nuts. And 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 Andrew Raycroft was right there to say, no, this is a really good signing. You guys yeah. don't understand how important this is. This is really good insurance policy because we don't know which is what's going to happen with Sukaras. We don't know what we're going to get in Jeremy Swayman with being so young. We need somebody with experience in there right now. And I think it was a solid move. And he really bought in. I bought into a lot of what Andrew says. I mean, I've been a yeah. fan of Andrew for a long time, but he's also the same thing on the on the Swayman. He was basically saying the same thing. Go down to Providence and learn. Get your get yep. your games, get your reps and everything like that. It's not a bad thing to go down the AHL and people should not treat it as it's it's a huge demotion. It's going to ruin somebody's career. Yeah, I totally agree. I I would go as far to say uh, to say that had the Bruins not signed Allmark, um they probably still would have made the playoffs, but it would have been close. Right. Um, you 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 just can't go in to an NHL season and play 82 games with two unknowns in the net. It's true. It's very true. All right, so we got about 20 minutes to go, guys. Um, if you guys got more questions, fill them in. And if we don't get any questions, which probably is going to – call it a show we've had a blast here with everybody that's been tuning in we truly appreciate the support you guys are absolutely amazing happy mother's day again shout out to all the awesome moms out there um so i, I got a good question for you guys go for it <laughs> if the bruins were to win <clears throat> win this series um do you think it has more to do with carolina choking or more to do with the Boston Bruins doing what needed to be done to beat a team like Carolina? Doing what it needs to be done to beat a team like Carolina. Overcoming is my is is my opinion on this one because um, this is this is a real good stepping stone uh, for this Boston Bruins team to see where we're going. Now I'm I'm not fully on board with the Ra Rah Shishbumba uh, Bruins Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But I'm also thinking that this could be a team that gets around a two or maybe a third. Who knows? But beating a team like this in a series is just going to be a confidence booster. You're going to get a, a real good experience this time of the year against a team like Carolina to move on to the second round because the offensive capabilities of your next opponent could just be that much more worse and coming at you harder than a Carolina would. It's just going to get tougher every level you go from here. But this is a solid experience uh, point for a lot of uh, Bruins members on this current team that haven't been a part of um, of a playoff with this organization. I think the key to the series is, and remember, it's only game four. There's still three more to go. At this point, the Bruins have made adjustments the Canes have not. Let's see if the Canes make an adjustment to game five 
and how the Bruins respond to that. But at, at this point, it's not so much Carolina choking. It's their failure to make adjustments to what Bruce Cassidy's adjustments to them have been. Um, one, one thing um, I will say about what Mark said about the next round, if you go back to our podcast two weeks ago, I said, you know, this is probably the best path for the Bruins is through the Metro division. If they can get by Carolina, um, then that's the easiest path to the Eastern Conference final because they avoid Florida, they avoid Tampa, and they avoid Toronto. And to me, you guys heard me say it for, for months, the only two teams that I feared the Bruins going up against were Carolina and Tampa. Um, they were they were my biggest worries. But by moving over to the Metro, they've avoided the big three from, from the Atlantic division. So this is the easiest path. They just have to find a way to get past Carolina. Uh, it's 2-2, guys. I'm... I'm just because the Bruins have won the last two, it's far from over. Absolutely. Right. You know, Carolina is an amazing team. <laughs> so let's see how they react, how they, if they adjust, and how, if the Bruins counter adjust to, to Carolina in game five. Yeah. No, I'm glad you guys said that because I'm the same way because I know there's going to be people out there who say Carolina choked or this or that, but from someone who's watching these games, watching this series unfold, watching what the Bruins weren't able to do against this team during the regular season, regardless of who they had in the lineup or, you know, what, what was going on at the time. Um, this team has learned from mistakes in game one and game two, adjusted accordingly. And, I mean, to make a team like that unravel the way they did tonight, uh, today, sorry, that's that's a really incredible feat to do. Yeah, they, yeah, no, they, 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 they can continue to do it. Uh, you know, I mentioned Tony D'Angelo earlier with his anger problems and the fact that they can get him to explode. Uh, Vincent Trocheck is another a player that I've known for years back in junior that. You know, once they can get him, get if they can get to him and get him off his game, he's going to take a penalty or two. And right now, <coughs> excuse me, it's all about specialty teams. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if 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 the Bruins can keep winning the specialty team battles here, they're going to win the series. Yeah, absolutely. And Sharon comes in with the, this one. Um, I think the Bruins are getting a handle on how they play Carolina and figuring them out over, out over playing them consistently. Ooh, well, rough one. They, I mean, yeah, I can agree to that to a point. But they spent a lot of time breaking down video. Uh, Bob Asenza. Uh, spend time with the shooters to find the holes and how they're going to beat uh, Ranta and and Kochenkov or whatever his name is. I mean, I saw on Twitter today there isn't a lot of video on on how to beat them, uh, but that's not true. There's KHL video on this kid. They they have the video, 
and look at where the Bruins were aiming their shots and how they scored uh, two of their goals in, in game three against the kid. Um, underneath the arm, between the body on the blocker side. And that's what they were aiming for all night long. So um, Bob Asenza is the one that breaks down opposing goalies and spends time with the shooters and says, this is what you got to do. This is where he's weakest. This is where he gives up the bulk of his goals. Under this situation, he does this, blah, 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 blah. Um, Kevin Dean will work with the defenseman and say, this is how they like to enter the zone. This is what we need to do to to counteract it. Um, go, go through all the coaching staff. They all have a responsibility. This is not Bruce Cassidy's show. He oversees it all. But everyone, uh, Chris Kelly, um, what's his name? Um, the one everybody hates. Uh, him too. I, they're, they're oh, Joe all, Sacco? Joe Sacco. Everybody... Yeah. Everybody is involved. Everybody has a responsibility. Uh, so they spent a lot of time on video, um, but they didn't have a whole lot of practice time. They knew what they had to do to beat the Carolina Hurricanes. And it, it's just without repetitiveness uh, and, and the chance to put it into effect, um, it took some time to happen, and unfortunately, they lost two games in Carolina because of it. But they were trying those things. They knew what they had to do. Yeah. Right. Well yeah. said. Makes sense, yeah. Love it. Love it. All right, so here's my last topic for you guys. Uh-oh. Hit me. I mean, it's it's not really a big deal to talk about, but it's just something for fun here at the end. I mean, we're not, we're nowhere near out of this Carolina series as we've already spoken to, but let's say, you know, the Bruins do make it to the Eastern conference final this year out of the teams in the other bracket. Who's the one that you'd want to see in the Eastern conference finals out of all of them. Oh, for me, that's easy. To me, it's easy to. You know, I live in the heart of Toronto Maple Leaf country. Oh, so, no, I don't uh, want to see that. I don't want to see that. I, I just want to see the Bruins beat them. Yeah, don't. Another don't, time. In yeah. game seven, in overtime. Yeah, no, thank you. My heart can't take that, A. And B, I just, I don't know. I have a. Listen. I, Toronto's scary to me right now. I honestly am more scared of Toronto than I am of Tampa at this point right now. No. Yes. Give, I'm not. Give me, <laughs> I I'm always afraid of a goalie that can win a series. To me, it's as simple as that. I'll tell you what I live with. I'm just going to read you one text message <laughs> that I got from my cousin who lives in Toronto. Uh, and my cousin husband, from Toronto. Her and her husband are major. Toronto Maple Leaf fans at 10.33 p.m. after game one. What a game. That's what she said. Wow. And when the Bruins were down four to one going into the third period, what year was it again? Um, 13. 2013. Yeah, 2013. I got 
I bet you a hundred text messages. Ah, the Leafs won, the Leafs won. I didn't respond to any of them. When the Bruins won it, I just replied back to all. <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> That's awesome. The, Tom, so, Tom, Tom with a quiet troll. I yeah. love it. <laughs> well, to answer my question, um, I, for me, it's Florida. I'd like to see Florida there. Yeah, if they can get there. <laughs> yeah, of course, if they can get there. Yeah. They have been Washington's year. playing them really well. Yeah, they are. Really. Exactly. I still think Florida's the better team, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <sighs> but I think the you want to see handle Florida. I don't want to see Toronto because I didn't want to play them in the first round because um, there's there's going to be a time that they're gonna they're gonna win. I mean, they can't be this bad for for all this time. So sooner or later, they're going to pay the Bruins back. Um, and I just didn't want to see that in the first round this year. So that means I don't want to see it in the conference final. Definitely would, not. Definitely not. I'm like you. I have heart problems and everything like that. So, well, I don't have heart problems. I just no, I don't either. But <laughs> um, you know, I five might, years. Yeah, I might need to um, have a defibrillator uh, handy for that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go to Florida, you know. But even if they were at the at the top of what they're doing, they're not having a, a great postseason right now. But uh, they they could really turn it on too. So yeah, I'd, I'd go Florida. Boy, you you two are so disappointed in, <laughs> in here. If you, if you guys lived here in Ontario, man, you'd be you'd be dreaming for Toronto just to have the opportunity to knock them out again. Just to walk down the street, though. Yeah, and then yeah. what if what if it's Toronto <laughs> that knocks out the Bruins? And then you're walking well, down the street listening to all of them. <laughs> Freaking <Yeah>. for. <laughs> It, that's the least of my worries, man. That, that's the least of my worries. It's, yeah. it's like <laughs> to have the opportunity to do it to them again is all I want. When, if it happens, it, it happens. Fantastic. If it doesn't, oh, well, you know. Tom, see if a chaos. I'm, I'm here. Remember, controversy sells, buddy. Exactly. I will tell you, though. The best arena I've ever been in wearing a Boston Bruins jersey where where you've been treated well. And and I don't know if it's because it just so happened the area we were in with dozens and dozens of people surrounding us, somebody recognized me and then all hell broke. <laughs> but uh, was it Ottawa? Oh, no, Ottawa. Ottawa. It, it was amazing. My son took me there for a New Year's game uh, the year before COVID hit. And and somebody was like, oh, you're Dominic Tiano. You do the OHL stuff. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody started talking. Never had to buy a drink all night. But then we had to call a cab to get to the hotel because both of us were too pissed to drive. So, yeah. Um, yeah, best arena I've ever been to where you can wear a Bruins jersey and uh, uh, be treated like royalty, I guess. And Mark, Mark says, Leafs fan in Canada, uh, in my area, scared to play the Bruins. And they are. Mark's absolutely yep. right. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm scared to play them, so it's mutual. Well, your name is Kevin. It's, <laughs> your marks. it's the Marks that matter. Mark well, he's scared, here. too. Mark over there. 
I don't think Mark said he was scared. He said no, he was on the floor. I'd rather not. <laughs> so there's some fear in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. A little bit. So? Yeah, I just I, I one of these days they're gonna get us. I, I just I don't want to be on the recipient end of that, to be honest with you. They're but I'm not like team. dead scared. They're they got a really good team there. Yeah. They scare me. I'm gonna give that due to where it should be done. Absolutely. And with uh, that being said, boys, I think it's uh, we're coming up on two hours, so that's the limit I'd like to go to. So I gotta edit, get this out, and get to bed. I gotta be to work at three a.m. tomorrow. I don't have to go to work. Oh, I don't have to go uh, to work. You know what? I'm gonna be DMing you. Hopefully, you leave your not- notifications on every fifteen minutes until seven a.m. Why? I don't know. I just I like like to bother you. Oh, fine, but <laughs> do it. This is, do it, work. Do dude, it. I've literally worked like. Almost Eight every day, for like the past, <laughs> like the past, like I don't know, freaking. I want to say what was it, like three, four weeks. I've worked a lot, and I, I'm yeah, so yeah. happy that I have a little tiny break here. Exactly. So. I may I, have a lot of time off this week, so um, I guess with COVID and some shutdowns in China, we're having problems getting those um, chips for automobiles. So. Uh, Already, they're asking, we're asking people to take time off this week, and uh, I figure I might take some time off. I mean, the OHL playoffs are going, and I got to get to rinks every other night. So um, I was I was going to go to Windsor tonight, but I text I messaged Kevin there and said, "Hey, what time are you guys starting, and how long are you going for?" And I thought, you know, today's a good day to get on here because. I love you guys. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, well, that's fun and all, but maybe you should go and um, get your. Since you have time off, I want what I want you to do is I want you to get your full hawk back, <laughs> and I want you to dye it black and gold. All right, that's awesome. How, how much are you paying me? <laughs> Nothing. I'll I'll, I'll attempt saying Yorgi Yagula. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh shit all right boys <laughs> hey we got we got to close this up so um i do want to mention everybody thank you so much for tuning in thank you dom for coming on the second half i really appreciate that and look forward to talking to you more uh the upcoming week along with kevin and we might get back to our wednesday recording if i don't like you know be exposed to anything anymore we gotta uh, switch to thursdays at some point though oh right? yeah, yeah thursdays that's right that's right so We'll be doing that, but to uh, to wrap this up, I do want to mention that we do have a Patreon campaign going on, and if you go to do do do, let me highlight this. If you go to Patreon.com/slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and you donate a dollar to the information below, you'll be entered to win weekly prizes. As mentioned, we got signed pucks from you know uh, this is Mister Sixteen, the Turk, and you know Eddie Johnston and so on. But you're also entered to win into these hand-signed jersey giveaways, fully authenticated. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! I said it. And uh, and it's all signed by the real former players and so on. This is only for a dollar. We give these away once a month. We'll be giving this away later on this month. Terry O'Reilly is the May jersey giveaway. So um, real simple. We take half of, your, uh, half of your dollar. We pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Sports Media Company. And the other half goes into all these giveaways uh, to make everybody happy and say thank you for your contributions. We truly appreciate that. 
and uh, Mark McDonald, uh, who has been in here uh, for the duration of this program, won the Jerry Cheevers um, uh, jersey, and I'm going to be sending that to him up in New Brunswick sooner or later. So, good Canadian boy. That's that. You, you should see this guy's beard. I mean, I swear to God, it's down on the floor. Awesome. I swear to God, and he's awesome. got to be uh, at least five to six feet tall. Yeah, he's like. Like anywhere it, between it, five to six feet tall. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I, listen, I got to get a picture of this and I'll send it. Uh, I'll show it to you in the next uh, live stream. Awesome. It's pretty impressive. The guy, Dom, like, you should grow your full hawk that long. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm not... You guys kill me. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, this is the grandson. I love it. Yeah. Where that's, that's awesome. him laying on my lap watching the Bruins. That's awesome. That's how that's how you freaking train uh, kids to love hockey. Yeah, All right, it, it, it hurts when he jumps up when the Bruins score. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Winston when you hear something at the door. All right, but anyway, uh, again, thank you everybody for the support. We truly appreciate the shares, the retweets, the everything that you guys do. It's all been amazing. Don't forget to sign up for Patreon. We would truly appreciate that. I would appreciate sending you guys something Bruins-related and hand-signed for your fan cave. So get on board on that if you'd like. But until then, we're going to probably go till next Wednesday and get another program in here. Hopefully, uh, we'll be talking about going into the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But let's uh, let's uh, crawl before we run. we got a three-game series to wrap up here against the Colorado Carolina Hurricanes. So um, until next week, uh, I'm host Mark Allred. That's Kevin O'Keefe, and that's Mr. Dom Tiano. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care. Happy Mother's Day, and peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. <laughs>